Hey everybody, welcome to the uh, Real Guy Podcast. Tonight we've got a special guest, and he's going to be regular on the show. we got Julian Siegel from the Tarpon River Brewery. Uh, Julian, good to have you tonight. Good to have you, good to be with you. Yeah, hey, we, um, this is the beginning of our podcast series, and um, good to have Julian here. If you guys were tuning in to Triple Live last year, and you watched some of the Triple Live events, we did most of them at the Tarpon River Brewery. And um, I-, I was the guy in high school people are forgetting about. What Lamont's telling me? Yeah, dude, they freak. And I don't get that, but, uh, you know, you just have to live with it. The, uh, but at the brewery last year, we had a blast doing Triple Live down there. We really appreciated Julian. And, um, and I got to tell you, we enjoyed it so much. And, and just like what it gives, you know, and I hate to say we're giving back to the community, but just to know that there's a forum that's family friendly. And you think of all the times people brought their kids up live on the show. Right. And these kids watch you in the river. They watch you in the ocean. These right. teenagers, you know. No, I think it's I think it's fantastic where you can have a place where you can come. People can you know meet you, give them stickers, you know, shake their hands, take a picture with them, whatever. And the uh, the brewery's been fantastic for that. So um, we're going to do some podcasts at the brewery this year. Um, when we do do the podcast at the brewery, um, we will invite the audience to come. And we'll have a place for them to sit and to hang out. We'll do some giveaways. We'll have a good time with the audience, and we'll do the live feeds also. So we're looking forward to that. Um, Julian, uh, this weekend I saw that the brewery. Now, where were you guys? We flew over to Tampa for the Brewers Ball. Uh huh. So it's it's uh, Tampa Craft Beer Week this week. So Tampa, which is really the epicenter for craft beer in the state of Florida. Most of the, the bigger breweries are on the West Coast. Right. And uh, this week is their craft beer week. So the Florida Brewers Guild had breweries from across the entire state submit beers that they went ahead and evaluated. So we're a one-year-old business. Right. And we got best beer. Yeah. For the total. No, well, there's a category. Right. I mean, there's, there's stouts, there's IPAs, there's hazy IPAs, and sours. Okay. So we have a, a prickly pear zinger. Which, if you've been to Canyon, I'm sure your wife loves a prickly pear margarita. Yeah, she does. Right, so we made a beer that emulates that. Oh, okay. And it's really a fun, fun beer to drink. Okay, and that's and the one that won That's the, the one that won. We took gold on it. We're really excited about it. Gold, first place. First Tarpon place, River best beer in the category, yeah. I understand that you ran into the guys from... Uh, 81 Bay, for eight, sure, yeah. 81 Bay. I got it. It was wonderful. There's a lot of breweries in the state. Now, you know, because besides Tarpon River Brewing, you know, my I started Riverside Market, and right. that's been voted one of the best craft beer bars in the, I hate to say the world, in the USA, many times from Thrillist Magazine, the top 30, top 50. So we carry 650 craft beers. So when I'm not wearing my Tarpon River Brewing hat, I'm wearing Riverside Market. And with Riverside Market, we sell the most craft beer that anyone could sell in the industry. So we have 150 local beers just from Florida-based breweries. So it was great to be uh, as a brewer, as an owner with Tarpon River Brewing, it was great to be in Tampa at the Brewer's Ball because everything from 81 Bay, from Big Top Brewing, from, from Sunshine City, from every brewery that I've seen that I sell, right. here's the owners, here's the brewers, we're all getting recognized for our achievements. It was wonderful. That's cool. The reason we bring up uh, 81 Bay Brewery is because that's where we did LunkerCon four years ago in Tampa, and um, we did it at their brewery, and... Um, Bubba from the Flats Mafia crew was uh, a manager down there and um, introduced us to the people at the brewery. We had a huge event there. It was absolutely phenomenal. And it's uh, a great facility there. Right. It was a perfect for that type of... Uh, absolutely. I think we had 400 people show up to it. And um, 
So I thought it was kind of cool when you mentioned that, and you For got sure. to hang out with yeah, the yeah. one Bray Rude guys. Tampa Bay Brewing, just you know, everyone, you know, it's it's phenomenal. There's a real camaraderie, you know. It's not like it's competition. You know, it's competition for sure on the brewery side, but when, when I wear my Riverside Market hat, I'm selling 650 different beers constantly. Right. right. So everyone's our best friend. Sure, sure. No, this is like, you know, kind of like the fishing guides. You know, you get, uh, yeah, we're in competition with one another, but there's a huge network of good guys that help each other out and make sure that, you know, everybody maintains their business. 100%. Business, like if, you, if there's a bunch of tourists walking down the dock at Bahiamar right. and there's a dozen, two dozen charter boats, no one's gonna be like, don't turn it up, oh, come over here. You know, it's not. I don't it's know. not Have you been down to that dock? It's a little, <laughs> it's a little harsh down there. Is it really like know. that? Well, back in the old days, it was kind of clean living. I think there's a big difference between the charter business and the fishing guide business. I think For there's sure. a big difference between the two. And I think the fishing guides definitely have you know some camaraderie and help each other out big time. If you're a real guy, then you reach out and you help out other real guys. I think it goes that way in our business, and I'm sure it goes that way in your business. And I was just, I just thought it was phenomenal that you were down there in Tampa, that you won the award, and that you got to hang out with the people that hosted LunkerCon before. Because the next LunkerCon we do here in uh, Fort Lauderdale, it's going to be at the Tarpon River Brewery. Um, the place, if you haven't been down there, plenty of room. Uh, fantastic for you bringing family, friends. Um, and if anyone wants an excuse to go down there that hasn't been down there soon, our one-year anniversary party is coming up around the corner. It's on March 23rd, and if you don't mind the lineup, it's just a free all-day concert. Oh, really? Local bands mostly, Surfer Blood, Heavy Pets, Goddamn Hustle, Matt Dubbin and the Honest Liars, Hamilton, Jabberjaw, the Emily Sheila Band, Fat Son, The Gasms, Gone in Bloom, and Kids. We're going to have a backyard barbecue area. It's going to be just an all-day free concert. And that's what, March 23rd? March 23rd, yeah, 323 over at Tarpon River Brewing. Oh. Totally free event for everyone. Phenomenal. Family-friendly, dog-friendly, whatever you want. If I'm not fishing that day, I think we'll bring the family down. For sure. If, if I am fishing, maybe they'll go down without me. But um, speaking of fishing, I was uh, fortunate enough to take Julian and his family out last year. About this What time. a great time. You know, why we, you know the reason why we went. Go ahead. You know, I, I, I remember the reason, but I want, I want the, I want the know, audience to understand this because I thought I have funny. two sons. They're very close in age. They're 18 months apart. So it's four, now they're 14 and a half and 16. The younger of the two hitched a ride to Bimini with some friends on a 40 Intrepid. The older one was insanely jealous. You know, you really can't send both your children away with another family. Right. It's a lot. Right. And when they have kids and accommodations and whatever else. Right. So... I had to make my older one not jealous that he wasn't in Bimini. And, and this is a kid that feels he was born with a fishing rod in his hand, you know? Right, right. And you know, I got to tell you, if your child is ADHD, fishing is the best. <laughs> it is. Uh, it, fishing is the best. Um, therapy. But, yeah, in a lot of situations when you have kids, you get them out there in the ocean and, um, you know, things are... My kids don't have video games. They don't have, they have cell phones, but there's no, but they have Nintendo Wii, which I guess they got 10 years ago. What, what's the value of that? You know, yeah. I'm sure that thing hasn't been turned on in a long time, you know. So my, my now 16 year old, who's an avid fisherman in his words, you know, we brought him with you. And, you know, unfortunately, he kind of exaggerated. He should have been more honest with you. 
You know, when you're like, hey, is this your first tarpon? He's like, no, I can't tarpon all the time. Yeah, and it's fucking sleep. Excuse my language. But he, he dreams about it, you know. Yeah. But to the boat, I mean, seriously, we brought some crazy fish to the boat. Yeah, we had a good day, and um, the kid was a phenomenal angler. Um, I don't care if those were his first tarpon or whatever. He, uh, he did a phenomenal job getting those big fish to the boat. He had, to, he had a, a few moments where he had to put on his listening ears. Oh, yeah. That, that's normal. Because he was excited on the fight. But everything you told him, he totally followed your instruction. And I would, I would say 60, 80, 100 pounders to the boat. I mean, it was phenomenal. Yeah. The fights that he had were phenomenal. Yeah, it's a great day. It's a great fishery that we have. And um, But getting to spend, you know, it's, it's a five-hour trip. And... Um, you know, Julie and I went to high school together. We've known each other for an awful long time. But I don't think we've ever, except for that time we went fishing, were able to spend a solid five hours together. For sure. And then to have your wife there and then to be able to spend the time also with your kid and then, you know, watch him catch those fish. And see perfect. the excitement. You know, it was just icing on the cake. You know yeah. what I mean? You couldn't have a, I mean, I, I hate to say it, money can't buy that experience. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. Fishing's a weird thing. Um, I'm pretty sure most of your listeners are dialed into the fishing experience. They are dialed into the fishing experience. But, but when you have the stellar, when you have the time where you're bringing five tarp into the boat, <laughs> when you're fighting tarpon, tarpon are jumping. I don't want to say the wrong amount of foot in the air, 10, 15 feet in the air, whatever they were doing and splashing and pulling and, and going in between the bridge and the boats going between the pontoons <laughs> of the bridge. And then we get a freaking hitchhiker. And this is after we get the Lexus going into the boat ramp. It was nonstop adventure. If, if you put a value in five hours, you can't put a value on the five hours we spent. We got to the boat ramp and there's headlights coming out of the water from the Lexus. Oh, I forgot about that too. <laughs> we get to the bridge and there's a guy that swam in from the ocean still had his weight belt but couldn't make it to shore and he wound up in the middle of the span of the bridge at the foundation Dewey, this kid um had his snorkel gear on was snorkeling from shore swam all the way out to the middle of the bridge the tide started going out fast he was basically stranded on the bridge and Julian and the family's out there with me, and we saved this kid. We took his spear gun as collateral in case he pulled some crazy 305 stunt. Remember? <laughs> I do remember. He got a spear gun and the knife. We'll take you on board. We're holding your, your artillery. Right? We're okay with the weapons. We're just going to hold them for you. But anyway, um, yeah, that was a full day and uh, a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we're doing that trip right now. It's funny because every year um, you never know how it's going to pan out. Remember last year, Biscayne Bay was full mullet. And we fished with mullet most of the time, and the tarpon were keyed on to them. And this very next year, um, right now, there's hardly any mullet down there. It's going to change soon in a few weeks, but there's hardly any mullet down there. I haven't been down there all winter long, and we've been catching tarpon on the shrimps this year. So, complete contrast from last year, exact same spots, exact same places, and the fish are much smaller this year. We're getting a lot of fish between 30 and, say, 75 pounds, or last year, almost all the fish are around 75 pounds and up. So, uh, I'm not sure how the strain works, but definitely not the strain of fish this year than there was last year. But, it's uh, like mangoes. One year you got tons of mangoes, and this year the tree's putting out 30%. What's happening here? It's you know? citrus. That's a, I use that analogy all the time with fishing. It's like it's like citrus trees. You never know what you're going to get. The crop, yeah. Year. You know, you're going to get something, but you just never know what. Um, coming up uh, at the Tarpon River Brewery, um, 
we're going to plan a live event um, with Tom Rowland. That's awesome. Yeah, I did a podcast with Tom Rowland last month. Um, we tried to rush the uh, event, tried to get it done last month. We just didn't have enough time to do it. But when I went to Miami and uh, I sat down with Tom, uh, at the end of the podcast, the inner interview there, he was uh, very excited to pick a date to do the live event. Um, so that's going to come up. We're going to have to we're going to have to reach out to Tom, find out what's good for him, and um, when we do that, we'll let everybody know and we'll promote the heck out of it. And then you guys can all come down. You can meet Tom Rowland. If you don't know who Tom Rowland is, Tom Rowland um, had a couple of TV shows. He still has the TV shows. Um, Into the Blue is one of them. And um, Saltwater Experience is the other one. And um, when he came on the scene, this has to be about 12 years ago or so, ESPN2 was doing fishing shows. And both of his shows ended up on ESPN2 for about three or four seasons there. He got a lot of exposure. They spent a lot of time, energy, and money on making a, a nice production for people. And um, Tom's been... Uh, very much so on the scene um, since then, and um, he's uh, doing a podcast and a blog that's absolutely phenomenal. People are tuning in from all over the world, so it was cool to be on that, and it was even cooler that he wanted to come down and spend some time with us at the Tarpon River Brewery. So we'll let everybody know about that when that's coming up, and um, uh, we'll try to uh, give everybody a good heads up on that. What was... Uh with the last, with the professional crew, who was that last time at the brewery? What do you mean? Who was it? You took fishing on his boat? Oh, the guys we brought down. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, that was George Gods. Yeah, yeah. In his new show, Unfathomed. And when is that going to start airing? Is that, is that on yet or not yet? I don't think that's on yet. It probably, I think it's coming on either April or maybe May. Um, but uh, I think that was the maybe the second or third ep episode that they shot. And um, basically what we did is we did uh, two days fishing here between Miami and Fort Lauderdale for tarpon. And then um, we, uh, at, the end of the sh at the end of the shooting, we went down to Tarpon River Brewery, sat down, we had some uh, beers and some lunch, and we just talked for a little bit. And um, I guess the way that show's gonna go is we're gonna show more of a storyline about the guide and where it's more like meet the people and do some fishing. Right. It's right. You know, it's it seems like a really neat concept. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you know, all these fishing shows, you know, over the years have kind of been the same. And, um, you know, I think it's time for them to branch out. I think it's time for them to expand. And um, hopefully the uh, Georgia show, Unfathomed, um, you know, will do that. So can't wait to be uh, Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to... Uh, See the shots from the Tarpon River Brewery. Now, what do you got there? Do you mind if I crack open a beer? Of course, you can crack open a beer. What? Oh, watch out for those expensive microphones. <laughs> you pour the next one, pour it up close to the microphone so they can hear it. There you go. Now, is this the beer that um, that won the awards? No, that'll be next. Okay. This is uh, it's a new lager we made. It's a light lager. I think you'll really enjoy it. You know, I know a lot of you guys here, cheers. Cheers, thanks, Julie. You don't want the big hoppy stuff. You know, you're on the water, you're baking in the sun. Yeah, that's a nice light, light, what's that, a lager? Yep. Yeah, that's perfect. Super sure. easy. I yeah. thought you'd like this one for sure. No, I like that. I like it a lot. 
Yeah, that's one of the things is like whether you're out fishing and you want to, you know, you want to grab a beer, you really, you know, want to get something like crazy heavy, or even when you get back from fishing and you're all sun beaten and everything, you know, a nice cold light beer. But I'm uh, telling you, you know, it's really funny with beer trends. We've seen it all: double IPAs, imperial stouts, crazy. It's going back to basic lagers. Is it really? Hundred percent. At the end of the day, every craft brewery is focusing on making a lager now. Huh. Enough with the crazies. <laughs> you know? I guess. I guess that's. A, I guess it goes that way. A it's lot, a sign. Lot, it's a phase. You know? But you know what? It's still, people enjoy everything else. You know, we've got 16 different beers that we brew on draft, right. on tap all the time. Nothing is sitting. It's all selling out. But you know, there's more people in this heat that just want to be able to enjoy an easy that's, beer like this. Yeah, this is great. Run that dog. Very good. Well, Julian, the uh, there's some guys that you've been asking me um, to come to, to come down to the brewery and put them on Triple Live, and um, I think we're going to take you up on that. That'd be great. Yeah, uh, the one dude you were telling me about, the young kid, the real good fisherman. Um, he makes flies and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't wait to meet him, and um, I think that uh, I think that having the younger generation involved. You know, um, not only with the fishing part of it, but with the social media part of it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And um, it's also good to get the, um, you know, the pr perspective from the, from the younger people. You know what I mean? It's funny I'm saying that because I always kind of considered myself younger until I started hanging out with your kids and my kids and their friends. and This whole window, you know, once the kids go 8th grade, 10th grade, what do you do? <laughs> How do you fathom that you've got children that are... Like, I almost have a driver's license, you know? Dude, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, remember Mike Eade from high school? Mm -hmm. His daughter, um, she's driving around now. Darren Jenkins' kid. Yeah. Jenica, she's driving around now. Listen, a buddy of mine called me up. He went to, what's it called, Parking Ocean at Birch State Park. Right. On his Hydrosport Bay boat. I'm in Tampa. And he goes, hey, do you know any towboat guys? And I said, yeah, what's going on? He goes, my battery's dead. I'm over here at Parking Ocean, my wife and my baby. So I call a towboat guy I know. He's home. I call the guy back. I'm like, do you have towing insurance? He goes, yeah, they're on the way, but they're gonna take a while. And I said, listen, my kid has his license, but it's not active for another 10 days. You know, once you get your learner's permit, he tested early for the driver's license, but you have to have the learner's permit for one year, 365 days. Okay. So there's 10 days left until he's allowed to drive as a human being without an adult with him, right. you know? Right. And I'm in Tampa. So I want to help out my buddy, right? So I called one of the managers from Riverside Market that was off, and I said, hey, can you drive to my house, grab my son, grab a battery charger, a portable booster pack, and help out my buddy who's stuck over by Birch State Park on his boat? Well, I didn't know that there was a Los Olas art fair <laughs> I wasn't thinking there was spring break, you know, <laughs> by the time they got mobilized, got into Birch Park and got to the dock, the Tobo people were already there jump-starting his boat. <laughs> so my son's like, you know, you can drive my mom's car home, he said to my manager, I'll drive this boat home with you, Aaron, because my buddy sent his wife and kid home because they want to bake in the sun of the broken boat at 530, it was a baby with them. So my son, who's just, just turned 16, drove my buddy's hydrosport home with him. Mm -hmm. and he calls me up, he goes, man, I would let your son operate any boat. He's amazing. 
And I mean, that's the lifestyle that we raise them here, not video game, on the water, fishing. Right, right, right. So to hear it from someone, I love it. There's nothing more I can ask for. Yeah, and, and it's funny because you know you know that your kid has the ability to do that. I'll let him take my butt out. Right, you know that he has the ability to do that, but he's your kid. And then when you see him doing it for other people and he's out there, you know, with, with your peers, and then they turn around and tell you something nice like that. I well, I went to the rack, and so I got back by the time this whole thing I was in route was flying back. I got the, I met him at the rack and stack, and there my son's backing it in to the dock like a boss, you know. And yeah, it's it was fun. great. It looked great. Now, then, then kids been fishing much lately. You know, they have. I don't know how they've been doing. I've been really busy working a lot lately. I like well, just case of bad parent, you know. Well, it is your season. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And you know, unfortunately, you know, my kids now because I let them use my big boat they want to bring over all their friends and I just get nervous having 15 kids in the ocean my kids want to take the boat up to Boca and Hillsborough Inlet and I gotta tell you I'd rather they not yeah. especially with so many kids well you gotta be a dad you know and you gotta you know use your best judgment I don't think you know, my problem they don't know Hillsborough Inlet they don't know Boca Inlet right they're gonna they're gonna do that maybe it shouldn't be with a group of 20 right <laughs> I got you I got you so Julian um, uh, grew up right here in Fort Lauderdale, and it's funny because right now it's spring break down here. Can you imagine? And uh, everyone's wearing slides, and they're all some zero freaking sunburned. It's so funny. It is funny, it's, and it's it's cool to see the kids down here because when Julian and I were kids, spring break was friggin' nuts down here. It didn't end. Yeah, we graduated high school in the '80s, and um, spring break was just. Totally freaking insane. Was, they made here. movies about it. Yeah, yeah. No, people know. I mean, Fort Lauderdale was known for that. And we grew up right in the middle of it. So, like today, and I'm driving down uh, down A1A there, and I'm seeing the kids walking around. And there's a ton of kids in the neighborhood now because of the VRBOs. RBOs, yeah, yeah. yeah. Airbnbs. And so the kids are all, like, all through the neighborhood, and they're walking down All the into beach, it, and yeah. And seeing what they can get into. And it just reminds me of the old days of growing up over ah. here. Yes, those were good days. Candy store, summers, confettis, whatever. We didn't, didn't stop, you know? Well, it's so funny. The you village know, zoo. You go, you go down to the beach now, and um, that whole beach place is full of old people that buy these, like, week at a time. Timeshares? Timeshare type things. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, the old people are out there at the bar with, like, a DJ dude, and they're playing, like, you know. Well, I mean, you know, Fort Lauderdale really has entered a state of conflict. They don't know, like, Fort Lauderdale Beach, the, all the, the, the Conrad, Ritz-Carlton, Hotel W, right. they're not appealing to college kids. Dude, they're not appealing to anybody except for the people that are staying in those hotels. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm with three, four, five hundred bucks a night. Right. You know? Right. Now it's gotten In so the 80s, there were no name hotels and motels that were probably $69, you know? Dude, six, right? Six, three stories. $69, all the kids you could fit in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how it was, wasn't it? And dude, we were, we were getting. We were getting beers, uh, drafts for 50 cents. Yeah. 50 cent drafts was the thing. And when we, when we grew now up. it's fifteen dollar vodkas, you know. Right? Oh my gosh! What was that? Uh, when, we, when we were at Button? The, no, when we were at the brewery um, with George Gods and the Unfathom crew. Yeah. And your friend brought in some tequila. Yes. Some sipping tequila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that was good. Yeah, yeah. He's a solid kid, Noah. I can't to say kid because he's just probably younger and skinnier than me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he's a local distiller. And um, he's getting this stuff off the ground. So he's great because he always is carrying a mason jar and wants to share. 
great. He just like he had a little stash with him, and he's like, "Hey, you guys want to taste?" And, and I usually try to keep that to a minimal because it's fire water. Well, that and like we just got done filming for two days. We, right. We were on the water for freaking twenty hours in two days, and I'm thinking to myself, "Well, the last thing I need is." Yeah. tequila and the guy pours me a little sipping glass of tequila and dude that was so it's cool. perfect yeah it warmed you right up yeah it warmed me up I, I mean and George enjoyed it I mean everybody so between the beers and the food and then a little uh, extra bonus with the tequila uh, the Tarpon River was a hit good stuff no it was good it was good what, do you, what were they serving us in the old days when we were getting the 50 cent drafts <laughs> Probably like a Rolling Rock, Natural Light type of anything left over. Bud Light, anything just whatever you know. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't even care it was at all. It was at all. Good. But anyway, I mean, we're, what were we drinking as teenagers? Because we were drinking as teenagers. Well, we were buying eighteen packs of Old Milwaukee, Milwaukee's best Bush. But it was like five dollars for an eighteen pack, wasn't it? Yeah, and you, you, you were my brother's class, so you guys. Were able to drink mm -mm. when you were 18. That turned off right in front of my face. See, now my brother. My brother's got that treatment. My, my brother was able to drink when he was 18. My brothers were class of 82 and 83, and they got that deal. I'm, I was class of 85, and it put it right to me. So when I, when I was 16, I went in and got a driver's license with my brother's information. That's the only way you can fly. It was and the then, best way ever. Right, and then I could go to all the nightclubs and stuff. Um, I had the height, so I didn't get carded. Yeah, you were you were tall. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The um, yeah, the old days in Fort Lauderdale was totally insane. You could make more money parking cars and serving beers and drinks than basically you could do yeah. pretty much anything. And uh, if was, I remember correctly, the valley parkers are mostly coke dealers anyway. Well, I think <laughs> at that time, I think about fifty percent of the people that had any cash in their pocket were coke dealers <laughs> in one form, fashion, or another. Do you remember the, the speedboats that were riding around town in the old days? That's ridiculous. And do you remember there was no no wake zones to really speak of? You would go from Sunrise Boulevard to Oakland Park Boulevard in three minutes in a 38-foot cigarette or scarab. And everyone was jamming that same Miami Vice theme song <laughs> with, with they, their six-by-nines, you know? They, they used to race. They used to race from Port Everglades to the Dania Bridge. Yeah. Like a drag race. I yeah. Think, what's that, about a mile long, maybe? It's crazy. And, but uh, even, even I remember going up to shooters, they were all rafting 8, 10, 12 deep, and they would just take off and full throttle everything. Everyone had open exhaust. You know, it was crazy. Now, if you had a cigarette in those days, a 38-foot cigarette, you were on top of the hill. Now, those were good days. Those were good days. Now, you go out there, you deal with water taxis, a lot of bow thrusters, a whole bunch of day boaters. Your jet skiers, personal watercraft, and not too many 38 cigarettes no. anymore. I don't know where those guys went, you know? They went, they went, they, they left with the cash. There's a good looking group of people with the Intrepids and the Jupiters and the Sea Hunters, you know, but they're not really arrogant or obnoxious. They just have good boats and well, they, they have a good time. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think. It was it was fashionably obnoxious in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. You had to have all the pastel striping and whatnot. I'm gonna tell I tell you something that totally weirded me out today. So oh. I, I I have an account at Wells Fargo, mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> I'm uh, getting a little exercise in. I put a I put a few dollars in my in my uh, pouch there with a deposit slip, and I during my run I, I walk into uh, Wells Fargo, the one right down here. Um, yeah. On the, Sunrise, Sunrise before the yeah, <clears throat> and uh, I hand them a lot of cash and the deposit slip, and they won't deposit my cash. And I'm like, and I've been coming here, 
you know, for a good 10 years or so. Do the same thing every week, you know, bring a little bit of cash in there, make sure I got enough in the bank to cover any checks or anything, payments or whatever. And they won't take my cash without an ID. And I'm like, wait a second. Don't you have account history? Right. I'm like, I've only had an account here for, you know, over a decade. My wife's business is three doors down. She has a business account there with, I don't know, plenty of dollars in there. And they won't take my cash. It's bizarre. Could you imagine in the 80s if the bank wouldn't, wouldn't take, take your, your cash, cash because you didn't have an ID on you? No. I'm getting... I'm, I'm, I mean, I understand if it's over $9,000, they want to report. It's an IRS law. Okay. But normal cash deposit, a couple of grand, two, three grand. You sold a used car. Who cares? I mean, you know, it doesn't make sense when they turn it down. It just totally, totally floored me. I closed my Wells Fargo account. Just like that. I'm not doing a bank account anymore. I'm going to pay all my bills, including my mortgage. Venmo or whatever. American Express. Yep. I'm going to put it on the American Express, and then I'll pay American Express once a month. You can't pay them in cash either. No, you can't pay them in cash, but at least I can friggin' not have to go yeah, to the you know, bank. Cash, cash used to be a good thing. Cash became a cur. I'm in the bar business now, restaurant business. And I got to tell you, where I'm sure at one point cash was super dominant, predominant. Right. I don't think in Plantation, one of my stores, Riverside Markets out there, it's like 10% sales or cash. You're Most, only taking 10% of the cash. That's what people pay. That's what people pay. Everybody's 10% swiping. swiping. We're in a debit card society. Who's? Let me ask you a question. Who carries cash? I'll tell you the answer. Landlords, because tenants pay them in cash, and people in the service industry that get tipped in cash. Who else has access to cash? No, they deliberately took it out of the system. And I wish Lamont was here because he would have some great covert well, conspiracy theory on this right now. Well, Lamont knows. I mean, he was in the cash business. He had all the valet services around yep. town. But it's just amazing to me that the people don't pay on a general rule. Twenty percent of my sales max are cash. The new generation thinks it's just okay to swipe their card whether they're buying a pack of cigarettes. Where are they getting cash from? If they have a job, their paycheck is direct deposit, correct? Taking the cash out of the system is like trying to keep shrimp alive with no aerator. You know what I mean? So what are you going to end up with? Dead stinky shrimp. <laughs> it's true. Okay, now that you're talking about dead shrimp, let's switch from the cash for a second. Okay. Everyone that knows you knows that you're amazing with the cash net. Right. What about the belly hoop? Is that a scam or is that real? The belly hoop. You mean belly hoop. Have we seen that thing? Yeah. The belly hoop. It's a hoop. Yeah, and you just kind of slide it underneath. Yeah, just sink it all out there yeah. and let the line out. Does that thing work? That thing works really well. I mean, it doesn't work always. People were lining up at the Isla Mirada Marine Flea Market last week, two weeks ago, for 200 bucks a pop. Like I, I, a dozen people bought that. Like, without, is it two hundred a bargain or is that normal going rate? I don't know. I don't. I've never had one. I've seen them, and I know that they work really well. People were jumping on that like it was like the new next slice thing of like white bread. It was perfect. Well, people, people um, have kind of caught on that that uh, the ballyhoo's are great mutton snapper bait. So. They want to get the fresh value. Somebody told them that. I heard that's really good for the sheep's head now, too. Fresh value? <laughs> Dude, Basaka's not here tonight, so we don't have to talk about sheep's head. He's going to be, be hurting. <laughs> you know, Busaka was down on the beach the other day um, catching bluefish. Really? Yeah. And I don't know if you remember or not, but back in the late 70s and the early 80s, the bluefish used to bite the, uh, 
Spring Breakers. We used to, I remember in high school, we used to get the the sand fleas and use them for bait and get whiting. Yeah, the whiting was... Off of the Gulf Ocean Mile. There's still some whiting down there. But uh, I'm just wondering if any of the Spring Breakers are getting bit by bluefish like they did in the old days. Yeah, I don't recall. Now, in the old days, like even the lifeguards and stuff, they had a little... Really? They had a little... Uh, First aid kit, and then they would stitch up the people that were right there on the beach that got you know bit by the bluefish. And uh, so we used to do a lot of shark fishing recreationally right. off of Mark Twenty One Hundred with a bunch of cop buddies at night, late night. You know, we'd kayak out the base, use a brick with like you know, six pound tests and blah blah blah. And tourists would freak out. You have no idea how many people are actually walking down Florida Beach midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and when they see us landing six, eight foot, ten foot sharks on the beach and getting the hook out and safely releasing the sharks. Tourists freak out really easy. No, they freak out and I got, you know, there's been a lot of uh, attention given to the shark fishing off the beach and I think the government's going to shut it down. You know, typical government stuff. I mean, we're responsible anglers. You know, we're not getting hurt. We're not hurting people. Yeah, but, you know. I'm sure there are some people. Don't try to make sense out of anything. No, for sure. Uh, the guy just got charged or, or had this hearing. The guy that, I guess he lassoed the shark and dragged him backwards. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I didn't really follow up on the storyline on it. Because, I mean, I don't know the proof. That's kind of crazy. Well, the guy was a jerk. Yeah, he did wrong. And, I mean, it's The guy like, was a jerk. And he got, he got, he got a penalty. And, but it, I don't know if you saw the sentencing. It wasn't a, you know, not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's not like he's going to spend five years in jail right. or something. Um, Which would be kind of crazy. The whole thing is crazy. I mean, you know, the guy should have never dragged that shark around like that. Did it die? I, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm having a problem with sharks right now. They're eating your tarpon. They're eating the friggin' tarpon. And, um... Well, someone's got to eat the tarpon. Yeah, but... Does the tarpon have an enemy besides the shark? The tarpon doesn't even... The shark's not even uh, the enemy of the tarpon. It's a food source. None, I don't even think so. I think the sharks hang around the tarpon fishermen, knowing that there's some bait. Knowing that we're going to hook a tarpon, and then they come in for the kill. You know, taking advantage of the situation. And um, what about the Goliath grouper? That should not be preserved anymore. That wipes yeah, out civilizations. Yeah, the, I think the I think the last thing, the last thing that you really want to do is let government determine. You, know, these things. you go ahead and put three Goliath grouper on a quality reef, you'll have no snapper left. Thank God I don't have to deal with Goliath groupers. You know, very rarely. Are they really here in Fort Lauderdale off of 15th Street? There's a few of them off, off of 15th Street and around 17th Street Causeway Bridge. And um, I think I think most of the smaller ones, people kill and eat. Yeah. You know, either one, they don't realize it or they don't care. Right. Yeah, they kill and eat them. So I don't think we're ever going to get, like, a massive population of... Uh, of uh, but, I mean, in the keys are there. You can have a shark on and the grouper will eat the shark. Well, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i start bitching and moaning about the Goliath groupers when they start eating my tarpon. Right now, I am having a bull shark problem down in Miami. For sure. And it's just totally harsh as my buzz. It's like, you know, we, we break the fish off early... You know, if to fish, release it. Right. If the fish starts acting kind of squirrely or whatever, and we think there might be a shark in the air, we'll break the fish off early. But a lot of times, you know, the uh, the fish will be right up next to the boat, and um, we're getting ready to release the damn tarpon, and everybody's happy, and we're taking pictures, and here comes Mr. Shark. 
taking swipes at the tarpon. And I know damn well. But here you are, responsible angler. The tarpon's not leaving the water for photographs. You're not pulling scales off of it for memoirs back in Kansas, you're you know? To, you're trying to do everything. You're doing right. everything so by the book, you know? And then Mr. Shark comes along and. Right, takes advantage yeah. of the situation. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that the sharks down there know, you know, once it gets dark. You know, to hang around the small boats that are sitting in the cut or sitting around, you know, you know, doing the tarpon fishing. And they're taking advantage of the situation. I have some tricks up my sleeve. Stay tuned for that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a, I I'm developing a shark repellent in a system where when we let the tarpon go, they have shark repellent that's gonna keep the sharks away from them. And um, That sounds amazing. I'm gonna experiment with it here in the next couple of weeks and if it works as well as I think it's going to work, um, I'm gonna offer it to free to all the tarpon guides that are fishing in areas where they're having the same problems that I am with the sharks. I mean, I'm so fed up with it. And, um... Because you're doing everything you can to preserve the fish. That, and then, you know, there's all these rules, you know, that you can't kill the sharks anymore, The commercial fishermen can't kill the sharks anymore. Bull shark is just a killing machine. Right, and the... If you're killing all this other stuff that he's eating, but you have to let him go, well, then there's more of them. For sure. And they're more aggressive they're going to be because of the competition for the food and all that. But I am getting sick and tired of the bull shark situation. And hopefully, with any luck, some of these tricks that I'm going to try will uh, deter the sharks from getting them. But um, anyway, Julian, I'm glad you came in tonight. I can't wait to do the uh, live events. I'm so excited. Yeah. Seriously. I've had more people ask me. You know, dude, you're gonna do triple live. You're gonna do triple live. You're gonna do triple live. And um, the answer is yes, but it's going to be in a different format. When we show up to the brewery and we do the live events, we will be doing triple live at the same time. And you really, I, I feel, you have to pull your audience and ask them, do you want to see my face or do you want to hear my voice? Well, yeah, yeah. I think you gotta ask them, and then you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I mean, whether they want to hear me or not, or whether they want to see me or not, well, it's, you know, we're going to put it up, and then if you don't like it, then we won't get the views. The we're not getting the views, we're getting the hears. All right, the listens. <laughs> but they, I think... That would be nice in the perfect world if we can just have the fairy tale. Well, what totally, what totally stinks is, like, how many up we did... God knows. It was a great time. Did, it was I awesome. Did, I think we did 40 episodes. We did, we, we did every Monday night... Before football. After football. After football, After yeah. football season was over, we did every Monday night to the following Monday night football. We did a triple F every single Monday night. And a couple of times you were out to work. Right, yeah. I couldn't make them all because I was working. But we... But well, you had great people. Norm Olas was there. Whomever was there. We had people from the Real Guy Network. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Up. And people had a great time. But what totally stinks about it is people now ask about, you know, an episode that we did last year that's not archived. That we can't find anymore. How can it not be archived though? Because of Facebook? Yeah, fa the way, well, Facebook, we, were, we did Facebook, Instagram, and then YouTube when we could get the good connection. And on Facebook and Instagram, there's just not a place for them to archive you know, Lives, live videos. Yeah. You know, maybe for a week, two yeah. weeks, you could you know, scroll back. But people talk about it and they want to, oh, do you remember that episode where you had so and so and you're talking yeah, yeah. about this? And you go back to look for it. Yeah, sure. Over. I was watching a thing on the news the other day. I can't think of her name. I guess she was a CEO or president of YouTube. 
And she was saying there's 500 videos per second or per minute being uploaded. And people are trying to control what's uploaded onto YouTube now, but they don't want to see conspiracy. The government doesn't want to see conspiracy theory videos on YouTube. Oh, the government's going to get involved. Right, right. So yeah, the, the YouTube lady's like, listen, <laughs> it's our responsibility to make sure that there's fair content being out there. What someone else's theory may not be your theory, but let someone else express their theory, you know? So YouTube is trying to figure out what they should air versus shouldn't air. Well, which is crazy. YouTube already knows what they're going to air and what they're going to promote and blah, blah, blah. And they're going to promote any content that gets a ton of views so they can sell more ads. Right. You know, and that's... that's the ads are super tricky now, aren't they? But that's their business. You're sitting there enjoying your movie that you're not enjoying your clip and all of a sudden... Resume and that right after this brief ad, there's nothing you can do but watch that ad, you know? So, let's just say we, we went out, we caught a few big tarpon, and we put up a really high quality video, and everything's great, and we get our four or five thousand people that are into that. Or we could have caught one of those bull sharks and killed that son of a bitch, and we would have got a hundred thousand views right. instead of the five thousand. Or views. we could have put a bikini model on the boat, and she could have gotten fifteen thousand likes in four seconds. Right, or you could do the g-string thing. And unfortunately, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. You know the way their algorithms work is they're going to promote that. They're going to promote that type of content because they know that the audience is bigger and there's going to be more views, whether or not they're real guys or not. YouTube's like, that's not my problem. So you're going to see a lot more G-strings, a lot more sharks, manatees, turtles. What else? People, you know, uh, bloopers, you know, people falling in the water. There was one video of one guy that pulled a straw out of a turtle's nose. Now we're on paper straws in South Florida. Plastic straws are now banned from the beach. Right. I can't suck a Diet Coke down with a paper straw. I'm just saying. Well... Regardless, you know, whatever. The poor guy that's like from Penn Fishing Reels is freaking paying, you know, four dollars per thousand clicks for somebody to get the view that the turtles gets the straw taken out of his nose. How many reels is Penn gonna sell right. from that? None. Or very few. But Google, YouTube, whatever you want to call it, can charge Penn for every last one of those views. Every single one. So those are the ones they're gonna promote, those are the ones the algorithms are gonna work for. And real guys like you and me and people out there in the audience, you're just going to have to, uh, you know, find the content and spend a little more time and energy finding the stuff that you want to see. And um, we knew it wasn't going to last forever, this organic, you know, content search and all that. You knew they were going to start pushing stuff on people sooner or later, and, and they're doing it now. And um, that's one of the reasons we're going to do podcasts, you know. Um, the format's a lot longer. You can talk about what you want to talk about. And it can't be manipulated as easy through the algorithms. People want to listen to the podcast, they tune in, they actually listen to it. So, um, Joey, anything you want to say before we wrap things up tonight? No, I just think, uh, I think what you're doing here is great. You like it? I really do. How do you like the new office and the way this studio well, is set know, up and everything? I, got, I haven't been inside your office before, and I was telling... The little worm of daughter of yours. So I go, you know, I guess me and Jeff subscribe to the same lifestyle. <laughs> I got the old pen 50s over there too. I got the same old, you know, the same old this and same old that, which is great, you know? 
Well, you know, they used to make stuff that um, was made to keep. Right. Yeah, you know, so I don't think they're doing a whole lot of that anymore. No, everything's like disposable nowadays, made in China. Echo in China is what I call it. Echo in China, you like that one? The Spanish-Mexican-China collaboration. Absolutely. Well, thanks for tuning in uh, to the Real Guy podcast this week. Um, Julian, you were great. Thanks, thanks for having thanks me. Thanks for coming in. We can't wait to... Uh, to do the event down there at the Tarpon Room. Yeah, brewery. I can't wait to have it at the brewery. It'd be awesome. And um, I'm really digging the new uh, light lager recipe. Maybe, Good stuff. Maybe we might convert that into the run the dog for sure. or something. Absolutely. So for I'm, ready, I'm ready for this prickly pear if you are also. My gold medal winner. You know, congratulations on the prickly pear. I saw that, and uh, we were all real proud of you. And it's exciting uh, stuff. You want to uh, you want to crack that open now? Uh, it's up to you. You got to pound that one, though. Jesus, you're gonna get the bomb tonight. That's pretty good. That's awfully good. I gotta tell you, the prickly pear. So when you win first place, you get any cash or anything? No, no, no. You get notoriety. You get established. You know, you get your you get medal gold, here. You get your gold medal. There's an award ceremony. And every brewery in the state of Florida knows that you took gold. That's cool. And then, of course, the benefit of social media. Not bragging, but sharing, obviously. Bragging, sharing, whatever you got to do. But no, it'll help contribute to sales, you Absolutely. know. And there's other people that tried to brew this similar beer that have been in business for years. They're huge. And to know that... We beat them. The judges thought our beer was better. There's nothing more I could ask for, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's some benefits to the doing podcasts where they can't see everything. Yeah, there's no visual here. There's no evidence. <laughs> we can just keep down in beers. You know, I wish this would be like... Oh, my God, it looks like great. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Hopefully your wife or someone will let her have some, too. The prickly pear, nice. It's super smooth, right? Kind of tart. Very good. No wonder you won the award. Huh. When beer becomes art, you know, it's fun. Beer becomes art. I was preaching that when I was like 15, 16, 17. Nobody was buying it. <laughs> now that we're 50, people buy into that? <laughs> Listen, come see us down at the Tarpon River Brewery. This is Captain Jeff along with Julian Siegel tonight. And thanks for tuning in to The Real Guy Podcast. We really appreciate it. We'll see you soon.